You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. So what are the top 10 things dentists should do to get HIPAA compliant? Hopefully you'll know the answer to this question at the end of this Viva podcast. Thanks for joining us on Dental Talk. We're talking with Dr. Lauren Levine, who knows quite a bit about this. In fact, he is a nationally known expert on cybersecurity and is president and CEO of The Digital Dentist. Welcome, Lauren, to Dental Talk, and thanks for being on this Viva podcast. Thanks, Phil. Thanks for having me back. Let's start right in. Um, I imagine it's very difficult to get HIPAA compliant. Uh, my curiosity is what what percentage of your clients are completely compliant? Zero point zero. Wow, that's yeah. yeah we, we <laughs> I was hoping well, for higher. <laughs> well, it, it depends on your definition of compliance. So, um, and I, I, we had talked about this in one of the previous podcasts. When you actually read through the HIPAA rules and regulations, there are hundreds and hundreds of pages of rules and regulations. And in my mind, it is impossible for any practice to get 100% compliant. If an auditor comes into the office and they are determined to find you, they're gonna find something. The, the trick is to make sure that you've covered the bases for the major things and that hopefully you give them very little to find or at least show that you've made a, a good faith effort to get as compliant as possible. Um, for the offices that we work with, we've identified about, you know, eight to 10 things that we know from our clients who have gone through audits really should be in place in order for the practice to try to minimize the, the potential risks uh, of, and fines and penalties and all the other things and breaches that, that can happen. Um, and I would say when we first start working with an office, Less than 5%, in my estimation, really have all of those eight or 10 things in place. Mm -hmm. And when we're done, they're, they're all there. But I would, I never, whenever I'm working with an office and I start telling them about how we can help in the process, I really go out of my way to tell them we can never guarantee that you are going to be 100% compliant. We are never going to guarantee that you will pass any type of HIPAA audit with flying color because there's just too many variables. Wow. Um, Talk about an un stuff changes. untapped market for you. You can just go and knock on in, knock on 100 dentist doors and 95 will hire you to fix the problem. You know, the, the beauty of what I do, which has really been helpful for us as an IT provider, is that when HIPAA came along, it changed the equation from now longer, no longer are we telling people, well, you know, you can think about doing this or maybe you should do it. Now it's the law. Um, the good thing for me, at least from my business standpoint, is that pretty much all the things that HIPAA requires are things that we were already doing. We, we, we weren't doing the risk assessments to the level that we're doing them now. Um, that has changed. But all the other stuff that we did were already things that we've been doing for well over a decade for our clients. So it was really just a matter of packaging it to clients and say, listen, you know, no longer is this optional. Um, we can give you a package of, of services, uh, hardware, software as necessary to get you a lot more compliant than you are right now. Yeah, and they could find find all the information that they need about your company on the digi thedigitaldentist.com or digitaldentist.com? Thedigitaldentist.com, okay. T-H-E before that. Okay. Yeah. Or they can just Google me or Google Digital Dentist and Hopefully my SEO is working and I'll come up in the top few parts yeah. of that search. Yeah, and to our listeners, I mean, I knew Dr. Levine over the years, but the information that he's shared with us in, in a series of podcasts that are currently 
available. You can get it on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, um, VivaLearning.com, et cetera. It's just invaluable. I mean, there's going to be close to two hours of content that Dr. Levine is sharing with us. And whether whether you use him or not to help you with your practice, the information is, is really phenomenal. We're very happy to have him share this information so generously. So if if, um, if you can't really get compliant, what are, what are the priorities? Are there some things that are more important than others? If so, what? Yeah, in my mind, yes. And we had touched on this a little bit uh, during the last podcast when we talked about uh, risk assessments. And the basic premise is that when an auditor comes into the office, what are the first things that they're going to look for? Uh, they're not going to go straight to your server. They're, they're not going to, you know, uh, check uh, your, your, your firewall. The one thing that they want to see is, well, there's a few things that they want to see. Have you done a proper risk assessment? And we really went into a lot of detail in the last po- podcast about what that entails. Um, do you have a plan in place to mitigate those risks? Um, and a lot of times they're also looking to see, do you have a HIPAA manual? The HIPAA manual, in my mind, is not as critical because it's very cookie cutter. You know, you can go to the ADA and get one. When we do risk assessments and management plans for our clients, we produce a, a, a manual as well. Uh, there's really not a whole lot of guidance in HIPAA about what should be in the manual. So, you know, I, I couldn't tell you that one manual is better than other. It, they just all kind of do the same things. But you have to have done that risk assessment and have the management plan in place. That's, in my mind, the absolute most critical thing. Because how else do you know what else needs to be done right. unless you have at least checked and say, okay, now we have a list of, here's our checklist of the things that we need to get to. Secondarily, you want to have started on the process of actually addressing some of those issues. Uh, in my mind, again, according to the auditors that we've talked to and what our clients who have gone through the process have, have talked to, they want to check uh, the backup and disaster recovery uh, system that you have in place. That is really critical. They want to see, make sure that it has met all the HIPAA requirements. Uh, I believe we'll probably talk about that in, in another podcast. Uh, they want to look at, do you have protections in place? Do you have firewall? Do you have antivirus? Uh, do you have ransomware protection? Um, another thing they look for, which is oftentimes overlooked, is something that's called patch management. And the premise behind patch management is that you have multiple software programs on your computers, uh, Windows and Adobe and Office and all these different programs. They all have security holes in them, and they need to be updated on a regular basis. And how you go about doing that, you know, you can talk to your IT company. There's a type of service called managed services. A lot of us do it uh, automatically for people. You can do it manually. You can do it yourself if you really have multiple hours a week free to do it. Uh, but that's one thing the auditors will look for as well is, is your software mm-hmm. patched and, and current? Yeah. Uh, the other thing that, I, that comes to mind is encryption. And we had discussed in a previous podcast how encryption is such a great get out of jail free card because it's the one thing that'll save you from a breach. So um, they obviously are, are going to be checking for encryption as well. Yeah, yeah. And we'll be talking about patch management on another uh, segment, another episode of Viva Podcast coming up with Dr. Levine. It'll be dedicated just on patch management. Um, is there a sequence to follow when getting HIPAA compliant? Can you tell us about the, you know, whether or not there's a particular um, things, particular things that you do in sequence to uh, 
do as much as you can to be compliant? Yeah, so it, and it goes back to the, the risk assessment and management plan. When we do a risk assessment, the software that we use, it's, it's very high-end type software, it will rank the uh, things that it finds in order of severity. Now, you can debate about, you know, how severe is something? Is it something more severe than others? And how do you determine that? Because the fact is, if an auditor comes in and they're looking for something specific and you haven't done it, then it's not going to go well for you. It won't make a difference what other things you have in place. Mm -hmm. So that software is based on what's going on out there in the marketplace, what the auditors are in health and human services are, are telling the software companies what things to look for. That's what we use as our guideline because when we have done that with our, with our risk assessment, the management plan will actually list in order, here are the things that you should be doing. One of the things that always comes up as a critical thing for uh, in our management plan are screensavers. And you think of screensavers and you think, well, what's the big deal with, with screensavers? One of the main principles of HIPAA is that you need to be able to track who accessed the patient information, when did they access it, what do they do with it. In your practice management software, that's relatively easy because you've got an audit trail that's built into whether you're a Dentrix or Open Dental or Ascend or whatever. They've all got audit trails. Mm -hmm. Where it becomes more difficult is, well, what about images? What about QuickBooks or spreadsheets or Word documents or emails or you know all the other things that are on your system? You have to track that. So, you know, in a lot of offices, it's a very common scenario. The office manager sits at her desk until noon, uh, gets up and goes out to lunch for an hour. During that time, someone else goes over into, into her, her chair and sits down and works on her computer. All of the auditing and logging that we would have in place would say it was the office manager that was working during that hour, not the second person. Mm -hmm. you, you have to be able to have some type of system in place to track that, to be able to prevent that from happening. That's where a screensaver comes in, where after, say, 15 minutes of inactivity, whoever now logs onto the computer has to enter a username and a password. Is it a pain in the rear? Yeah, especially if we do it in the operatories, because that's, you know, people are, you know, you don't, people don't want to be having to moving the mouse every 15 minutes or hitting a key from the middle of a procedure. The front desk is not as bad because they're on their computers all day long. It's rare that they would go 15 minutes without touching the keyboard unless they're out to lunch or unless they you know, left for the day. So something as innocuous as a screensaver is actually considered a very high risk thing according to our software because it's prevent, not having it prevents you from adequately tracking uh, employee access to data, which is obviously critical from mm -hmm. a HIPAA standpoint. Right. So many of the things that we install or implement on a computer system to prevent theft of information slows us down a little bit. You know, obviously there's all these ways that even Google and your bank, your emails, they have all these different types of levels of security where they send your phone a text. Everything slows you down, but it's supposed to minimize the theft of your personal information. So there's pluses and minuses. You just got to weigh the benefit. Yeah, we, we hear that all the time, by the way. It, it's, you know, as I said, you, since, because you can't get 100% compliant, for every office, they have to find that balance between the pain in the rear factor versus security versus allowing your staff to work. You know, we've had so many offices that we work with, they don't have passwords for Windows, or if they do, everyone has the same 
you know, staff username and the password one two three four five, and when we change it around, <laughs> that's a good one. I mean, yeah, but you know, yeah, that's not the best. Um, but when we actually change it to where it should be, you would think that we've we've taken away their firstborn. I mean, it's just uh, the the gnashing of teeth and the, the complaining and oh my god, this is this is horrible. Um, so, like I said, you have to try to figure out, you know, how can you get your office more compliant without having your staff revolt because it slows you down so much that they just can't continue to function efficiently. Right, and right. for every office, that's that's different. Right. Um, yeah, you would hope some of the security measures are taking place in these offices where uh, patients sit in the waiting room and get free Wi-Fi, so there's no password. You surely hope that they're not sharing the Wi-Fi of the network in the office, but you never know. Here's the big question, and every all of our listeners want to know this. So how much does all this cost? And I know that's a, such a general question, it's hard to pinpoint. When I say all, what are we referring to? But give us some ideas on cost on this. So we had talked about the fact that there's around eight to ten different things that offices need to do. Um, and that list would be the risk assessment, the, the management plan, having some type of breach insurance, uh, the, the manual, backup and disaster recovery, having encryption in place, encrypting your emails, patch management, uh, training, uh, you know, reviews with, with your IT company. Obviously, it depends on what you have in place already and what you need to add to supplement that. Most of the companies out there, I mean, we do this ourselves. So I can tell you what, what we charge, uh, but we're pretty much middle of the road. We've seen some, you know, mom and pop type operations that are a little bit less than us. We see some large dental supply companies that are, that are quite a bit more than us. Uh, for an office that has nothing in place and they want to get everything in place, you know, that whole list of eight to 10 things to get themselves as realistically compliant as they can be, they're probably going to be somewhere around 800 to 1,000 bucks a month it is pretty typical. Now, if someone just needs, you know, a risk assessment, for example, um, you know, we charge 199 a month for that. That includes the management plan and the $500,000 of insurance and the manual and all that mm -hmm. stuff. Um, you know, backup can run you a hundred to more per month, depending on how much data you have. Every Service has a cost associated with it. Any labor that's involved obviously have costs associated with it. Dental is actually quite a bit less than what's out there. I do a lot of CE with other IT companies. Uh, you know, I go to all kinds of courses, people in other fields, uh, medical, law, accounting, uh, and they tell me they're typically charging for the types of services that we do, they're charging 1500 to 2500 per month and they're demanding a three-year commitment. And that's, that's uh, just for, that's to maintain HIPAA compliance, right? That, yep. that, it's like a HIPAA compliance package. Now, if that office who's paying you, let's say it's a thousand a month, gets audited, do you, is it included in your thousand a month to come in and talk to the auditor and represent that dental office and say, hey, you know, we've implemented state-of-the-art stuff here. This is what we have going. Is that included or is that an extra cost? That's included, and the other thing that's included, which comes through that $500,000 cyber liability plan, is uh, having attorneys also go to back wow. that they are wow. going to do all that. So, yeah, that's all part of the insurance policy. Yeah. So, I mean, so, yep. for, for, for a practice that's doing well, that seems like something a dentist should really take seriously. What is the chance of getting audited? The chances, it depends on the type of audit. 
the chances of a random audit are low. Um, there was a, you know, a few periods of back in 2012 and then again in 2015 where they did a series of random audits. Um, and they only did, I think, maybe 1,200 audits, and that included all physicians, all dentists, all chiropractors, all health organizations. So the odds were low. Mm-hmm. One of the kind of bad things that came out of the omnibus rules in 2013 was they set up a website that made it very easy for someone to report the office for a HIPAA violation. And most of the audits that we've participated in with our clients have been either from a patient or a current or ideally not current, but a former staff member um, who decided to report the office. We've, wow. we've seen a couple of cases out there, it's sad to say, where competitors have actually put an office, you know, wow. have reported an office. So yeah, I believe um, it. I believe it. So, yeah. So really, it's a, once a company like yours, who's a, you're a specialist in this, take the responsibility to manage HIPAA compliance for that office, that dentist or that group of dentists and staff can go about their business and worry about dentistry. They don't have to worry about audits or HIPAA compliance. They're just focusing on what they do best. Because it seems to me a dental office to take this on their own, you know, they have better things to do. Am I right? Yeah. Well, that's the way that we market it is that it, we're giving you peace of mind. We're, we're allowing an office to, you know, a dentist to sleep well at night, knowing that we've got the basic covered. Listen, you should never stop worrying about it. And that's part of the reason that we do those quarterly reviews is that stuff changes and right. staff members, you know, go to websites that you would be shocked. Some of the places that they go to and they download stuff and check their emails. And, you know, a lot of stuff can get onto your network without your knowledge. Hmm. Uh, but, uh, and, and listen, you, like, you know, and getting back to what you were saying earlier about, you know, the chance of an audit, I, I look at HIPAA compliance the way that I look at car insurance. There's a really good chance that you may never need it in your life. The one time you do, you're going to be, awfully glad that you've got that in place and that's basically what we offer to an office is, is that peace of mind yeah and you have to make sure you have the right company representing you yeah yeah what i find is that there are a number of it companies out there that unfortunately just aren't as up on hipaa if they're working with the dental office they're, they're not exclusive to the the healthcare field maybe they've got attorneys or other types of businesses that they work with and they don't know all the things that, you know, I've gone through hundreds of hours of continuing education and try to keep up on it. And that's not to say that you can't find someone local who knows these things, but right. these are the types of questions you need to ask them. You know, do, are you guys up on this? Are you familiar with it? Uh, you know, do you do this on a daily basis? Uh, because if they don't, you really need to then consider supplementing it with someone who knows what they're doing when it comes to HIPAA. Right. Okay, great. That's been fantastic. Well, thanks again, Dr. Levine, for being on this Viva podcast, and uh, we really enjoyed the information, and thanks for sharing your expertise with our listeners, and we look forward to your next podcast coming up soon. Thank you so much. As do I. Thank you so much.